0: Good morning and welcome to YASFM 100.3. You're with Kath Kovac on my new show, previously known as Women's Voices, Women's Wisdom. I was just saying to Jeff before the break that during the week I had a bit of a life realisation, which I might talk about or might not. (laughs) And um, I realised that I needed to um, bring all the stuff that I do together and I was looking for an underlying principle. I wasn't really looking for it, but it just came up at me and kind of bit me on the bum and said, this is what you need to do. So what I'm doing is taking my background in science, edu, science communication, which for 20 years I've been translating complex scientific information into, um, into plain English for different audiences and to make it more accessible uh, so that people can understand it a little bit more. So, yeah, that's been the last... 20 years of my life and I've been wanting to move sort of from that area into the areas I'm more interested in, which is, as you if you listen to my show, you will have heard that I'm very interested in uh, women's um, issues and just speaking to women generally and having women's voices on the radio, as well as Qigong, which is sort of like Tai Chi, as well as meditation, mindfulness, healing, energy, all that sort of really cool stuff. And so what I have realized due to a discussion with a friend is that uh, not many people actually, they either don't know about this sort of stuff or they don't, if they do know about it, they think it's a bit like, you know, a bit strange or a bit weird or a bit woo-woo or whatever. Um, But energy basically underlies every single thing that we are and that we do in the entire universe. Um, You know, just everyone's heard of E equals M squared squared from Einstein, you know, so and we don't argue with the physics of energy at all. We know that energy can't be created or destroyed but merely change its form. So this is true on the level that we live on, and it's also true on the quantum level. Everyone, um, you know, quantum physics is not a thing you believe in or don't believe in, it just is. But then there's this um, other kind of level of energy that people... This is the one where I think people sort of, some people know about it, some people don't. Some people hear about it and just think it must be made up because you can't really sort of generally see it or feel it. Some people can see and feel it. And effectively, it's all just different frequencies of vibration of energy making up everything that's in the entire universe and on different levels. So there's this one level that we live at and there's another level um, which you might, generally people might call it the spiritual sort of level and then there's the quantum kind of level um so yeah i that's what i'm going to do in this show so it's going to be called uh, from the esoteric to the everyday but um i realize that's a bit misleading and so what it means is i'm going to actually be translating what people would describe as esoteric or a bit you know like out there um and translate it to the everyday. So what does it mean? And what does it mean, especially for the everyday person? How can somebody um, actually use this kind of stuff to better their lives? So that's kind of what it's about. But I couldn't fit all those words in (laughs) the show. So I just called it from the esoteric to the everyday. And kicking off my very first episode of this is the wonderful Anne Veronica from Rainbow Light Reflections. Anne Veronica is a local yes lady and she has agreed to come on today to talk to me about her life experience as an intuitive medium and clairvoyant and all sorts of wonderful things, And which I think is great. So um, welcome, Anne. Thanks for coming
1: on. Hi, Kath. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I hear you've just been to Uluru and back in the last sort of three days. I don't know how you managed to do that. Can you tell us a little bit about what yeah. Uluru is at the minute?
1: Quick four day trip up to Uluru and Katajuta. Um, it was it was awesome. Um, it was actually a, something you know people have bucket lists and it's not just about ticking off um, a tourist opportunity but it was about it actually felt like going home to me so you know you're standing in the middle of a desert in front of this um experience this e- enormous um land that has such a, a cultural and a spiritual heritage to it uh so yeah it was a a, a wonderful opportunity took my daughter um yeah it was awesome and what was her take on it? She smiled more than she had on any trip, and she'd acknowledge that as well. Um, I think the highlight, if you were to ask her, was uh, I was I was sitting at um, the waterhole, and I actually. I sat next to another woman from Canberra um, who asked if she... <laughs> Hi, Fran. <friend. laughs> um, ..who asked if she minded if uh, she sang a bit of a tune Um so she did. Uh and I let my daughter wander off for a bit, as you do <laughs> at the rock, I suppose. She turned left and she just kept walking, uh, which is the opposite direction than we were supposed to be walking, but that's okay, <laughs> I caught up with her. And so the highlight for her was taking a stroll around the rock, um, in her own company and and feeling that freedom, you know. Um, yeah, it was a beautiful experience to see her smile so much so.
0: Yeah, that is really lovely. So I also went to Uluru um, in 1983, so a long time ago. I was in about Year 7, and I went on a trip with my grandmother And we flew there from Adelaide. And I just recall it was the middle of winter and we left Adelaide in all jumpers and scarves and jeans and everything and then got to Alice Springs, got off the plane. It was like 35 degrees. (laughs) We just went straight to the nearest shop and bought T-shirts and shorts and things. But then we drove out. And one one thing that astounded me about that is how far away Uluru is from Alice Springs. At that time when I went, I just kind of thought it was down the road. It's like 400 kilometres or 500 kilometres away. And I don't know what the road's like now, is it? Did you fly to Uluru or to Alice Springs? Or? Uh, we
1: flew directly to Uluru.
0: Right, because in those days you couldn't. You had to fly to Alice Springs and then catch a bus on this 500 kilometres of dirt road, yeah. all dirt road, all the way to Uluru. And when you got there, there was nothing there. There was no like big resort. There was like one motel that we stayed in, just your standard old 1970s motel, and you could camp right at the base of the rock. And that was it. No, nothing else. And I remember, as so I was a bit younger than your daughter when I went, so I was about 13, and um, 12, 13. And I just remember waking up in the morning and going out the back door of the motel and just this thing was just there. It was so huge, wasn't it? It was like bigger than you could possibly imagine, the Uluru. If you've never been there, you cannot imagine How big. It's very big. (laughs) Ah, and I was just like, whoa. And so unfortunately I did not walk around the base of the rock. We were only there for a a bit. And I wasn't, I was only a teenager, I wasn't that into walking, (laughs) honestly. But I must admit, and with apologies to the uh, traditional owners, I did climb the rock because that's what everybody did then, you know, without thinking. It was like, you go to the rock, you climb the rock. And I remember, I am actually quite, even though that I would never do it now, of course, um... As a teenager, it was a bit of freedom for me because my grandmother couldn't do it. So she stayed down the bottom and I went up by myself and it took a few hours. And that was probably one of the first times, now that I think about it, that I did have that really isolated freedom. I mean, there were other people there, but I wasn't walking with them. Everyone just went up and down whenever they wanted. And and it was so up the top – so if anyone's seen a picture of Uluru from the top, it looks like it has little ripples in the top of it. But when you actually are up there, those ripples are like 20 feet high. And if you climbed up one, which you could, and over the other side, you would instantly be lost, I think. yeah, You know, I mean, people do get lost up there and people did die falling off and, and whatever. And then when you got to whatever the top top was, there was a, a book, you know, and then you signed your name in it. Like, to say, yeah, I've, I've climbed the rock. I mean, I look back now and I think, oh, far out, you know. But at the time... Well, didn't even you know I was like cool I climbed the rock I'll put my name in it and then um in later years and of course when it was headed back to traditional owners and all sorts of things um you know I was like far out that was a really disrespectful thing that we were doing but not in our psyche I suppose at the time so at least now that it is that's really good anyway we didn't come here to talk about my experience
1: on Uluru but it's <laughs> actually a good segue really because it's you said it wasn't in your awareness and that's basically what all this is about, if it's if if our own intuitive awareness is not switched on, if it's not triggered by an experience, if it's not um, encouraged or allowed or even spoken of, um, then how are people, you know, meant to be aware of it? How mm. uh, how are we supposed to be um, acknowledging what what we are energetically? if we're so conditioned to just be our physical self in a materialistic world, you know. So going to somewhere like Uluru and Katajuda, Katajuda was awesome. Um, you know, it that experience of walking into that um I did the Walper walk there and it was just um it was overwhelming the the history, the the sense of um, that ancient wisdom that exists in such a place. And, but we can walk around in everyday life and have access to that. We can tune into that and we get so caught up in this physical materialistic world, um, with so much chaos and noise and distraction and clutter in our mind and in our in- environment that we forget to be silent and just listen Within. Mm.
0: And also people don't know that that's a thing that you can do. Yeah. Like we just don't get told this. No. (laughs) You know, how do you find out? Either by just a chance reading of a book or a chance meeting with a person or something these days, I suppose, a chance Facebook post or whatever. Mm. Like I first was introduced to this kind of different world as a teenager when I read the Shirley MacLaine books about, um, can you remind me what they were about? Well, it's looking within really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, ca- I can't remember the the actual topic, but I remember that it was about really cool stuff that I didn't understand. And it wasn't it like after, out-of-body experiences and stuff? Yeah, and I can't think of the name of the book, but anyway, everyone knows what you mean when you say the Shirley MacLaine <laughs> books. And and there was others too about uh, um, near-death experiences and life after death and all this sort of stuff. And as a teenager, I kind of thought it was cool, but I didn't actually believe any of it. I was like, well, it sort of sounds like a bit of fun, but it can't be real. It can't re- apply to my life. Um, And then I also, you know, um, dabbled, not really dabbled, but like we were not brought up religious at all. But at one stage I felt like I wanted to be because I felt like life, there was nothing nothing special about it. It was like get up, go to school, come home, have dinner, watch telly, you know, go to bed, maybe go play sport,
1: whatever, nothing. Just superficial, you know. I've heard that before from people and – You know, there's, there's, it's all about balance, isn't it? You know, I, I totally get why people seek out a faith, um, seek out, uh, their own, well, formulate their own truth, um, based on some sense of, you know, what creates hope. Um, so for those who have had no spiritual, no religious upbringing whatsoever, uh, one, you could say, well, at least they're not indoctrinated and, and um, you know, having to follow a set of rules that comes from some form of institution. But on the other hand, what are they, you know, inspired to seek in life mm. if there's nothing presented to them either? So uh, some level of faith. in my In my mind, I just call it trust, you know. It's about trust. Uh, that opens up the possibility of hope on all levels, and I think, as humans, we need that sense of um, reaching out for something or not so much that we need it, but we 've been um, again conditioned in a in a sense that we seek reassurance externally and Working intuitively is about trusting and seeking that reassurance internally from ourselves. Mm. Um, but in saying that too, you know, we're guided, we're inspired, we have a whole team around us, um, whether we, we consider that to be, you know, in spirit form, our loved ones who have passed over, our guides, uh, different religions, different cultures teach and refer to um different aspects of that same sort of you know notion uh but basically it comes down to we are part of some sort of collective consciousness, mm. but within that we are uh, our own person, and so to live our own life uh we seek inspiration we seek um yeah some sort of direction mm.
0: yeah, we are our own person, like you say, and my Qigong teacher is very fond of saying that even if you were to meditate and become enlightened and understand that you are one with the universe and all those things, you still feed your own mouth. Yes. Like you still got a body. You still are a body in this plane of existence and yes. you need to look after that body. And that's what people sort of, a lot of people don't do. And one of the reasons why there's such a massive amount of, of illness, both physical and mental, is that people... Um, really live in their heads and we're all about our minds and brains and I totally get that because I was like that for many many years and I must say it's only been in the last five years of my life so when I was 47 when I first kind of came across this world again after being interested in as a teenager then you know I went to um, the people I was with and the situations I was in and I studied science at university and that was all very left-brained rational you know masculine thinking no sort of creative intuitive thinking which is actually now in science actually encouraged whereas whereas previously you know it was like the um the scientist the researcher was not important and just the experiment was but now they've shown through quantum physics experiments that you will get a different result if a different researcher does the same experiment and so the person is important in it and so i think this is quite amazing and um and then that means that um Oh, I've lost my thread. <laughs> that means that um that we that that science can can um include some intuitive side and in fact that's how the great minds always said, like Einstein and all those people it might be helpful if I turn my phone off. Um all those people uh say that it's about creativity and inspiration and intuition and just, you know, the the ideas just come. Like Einstein said something other about, you know, he didn't solve the problems like the universe did. And they just sort of presented themselves. I'm, you know, probably misquoting something, <laughs> but it was something like that, you know. Yeah. And whereas previously it was like, oh no, the, the science is all overarching, and we are just, you know, discovering it. But now it's like, yeah, actually we are important. And, and yeah, we've sort of lost the thread of the mind. But I wanted to say about <laughs> the mind being that we're all in our heads yeah yes. we think and we we react based on on our conditioning and and our belief systems all those kinds of things, and this causes a lot of stress and a lot of tension and a lot of um, arguments and and
1: and conflict and how know. we think affects our emotional state mm. so if we consider you know i do I, I do healing work. so I guess backstepping a little bit, my background is in a community services sort of sector. So I started with a strong, um I was drawn or I had a strong passion to is yes FM 100.3 bringing you the best. I of- so I worked for many many years in child protection, domestic violence work, community development and that allowed me, you know, 20 30 years worth allowed me the experience of getting to know people, getting to know people within their environments and and how they're affected by certain circumstances in their life and how they then judge themselves or Live according to um, how those experiences have have has formed, you know their their perception. Um, so when we talk about uh, science, even and studying the intuitive arts, uh, everything's got an objective or a subjective sort of you know level to things. And I've been asked, well, prove what you can do, you know. There's this list of questions, you know, about me. Tell me everything that you know about me and then I'll believe you. And it's not about a ticker box, you know, uh, calculation or or formulation of of what's real and what's not real. This is around recognising that our experiences um, uh, lead to our perceptions of our life and so when we talk about uh you know if we've had an experience in life that is traumatic or that has left us feeling less than adequate or not supported or scarred in some way then as a healer i might pick up on that in somebody's aura um just like you can go and have an x-ray or go and you know have some sort of medical procedure and they say look you've you've got a, an old break you know, in an arm, and they can see that. I can see in the aura where a trauma or where a, um, whether it's um, emotional, whether it's psychological, um, but it resembles scar tissue, and it's the basis from which actions and beliefs um So clearing that, clearing one's psyche or clearing one's heart space of debris, if you like, um, allows a clearer channel for their own intuition as well. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, but I'd <laughs> like to ask some questions. Sure.
0: <laughs> um, can you also just like speak into the mic rather than all over the place? That'd sure. <laughs> um, so just uh, just backing up, if you just tuned in to SFM, uh your voice in the valley, I'm talking with Anne Veronica from Rainbow Light Reflections about, um, well, all sorts of things, <laughs> but about her business as an uh, an intuitive um Medium actually and you'll have to explain exactly what it is that you do, but in first I just want to ask about the you said you can see in the aura like cracks or, or, or scar tissue or something of that nature. That I
1: know that you're trying to put that in words and but how do how do you sense that? So some people see visually, you know, they might see auras in different colours, they might see them in, you know, sort of shaded you know, uh splotchy sort of aspects of it. Um, I see it in my third eye, so I don't see it with my eyes per se, as in, although I can see the colour, um, but I might say, okay, on the emotion, in an emotional state, or, you know, auras come in layers, and, you know, so there's spiritual and mental and, and physical, etheric sort of layers of your aura. Um, so I might say, at a, at a particular age, so at, I don't know, nine years old, there was an emotional um, trauma for you. It feels like it's, it's still there, you know. Um, and intellectually, when you, when you were talking about our mind and how we think about things, there were a lot of people who will come for a reading, a, a clairvoyant reading, or even a mediumship reading, um, and so, and I might say, you know, yes, something happened at nine and it left an emotional scar in this, you know, particular area of your life. It could be relationships, could be parenting, it could be self-worth. Um, uh, and they might say, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I was over that. I got mm-hmm. over that. Mm-hmm. I went and did therapy or I, I pushed it to the, the far reaches of my mind. It doesn't affect me anymore. My take is, if I'm seeing it, mm. it is still affecting you in mm. some way. Mm. And just like if I was working, you know, in the mainstream counselling uh, or mainstream therapy, and I might say, well, if you've got a child who experienced uh, trauma or abuse or, or something in very early stages of life, it has impacted their development. And that becomes the foundation that everything else is built on throughout their life. Mm. So emotional scarring or just experiences, you know, it's the perception of whether it's a scar or not. Um, but it impacts everything that comes after. So in allowing an opportunity to clear some of that clutter. If you like, from our aura, uh, it's it's like having a facelift or a, or a good massage, or mm. a, it's it clears space. And and how do you actually sort of go about doing that clearing? Like what actually happens in a session? Uh, different practitioners like would use different ways of doing that. Um, I use smudge. So I might do a bit of a smoking. That to the so a, a smudge stick um, that you light, create smoke, clearing. And, you know, there's controversy about whether that's culturally, uh, cultural appropriation, you know. and uh, But for me, it's around allowing an experience for somebody to feel calm and um, safe and relaxed and, I will verbally say to them, okay, this is what I notice. This is what I, uh, I want to bring to your attention. And it's more on a soul level. It's not, you know, go away and think about it. You don't have to analyze it. It's more, I'm acknowledging. We acknowledge, we validate, uh, in order to empower. And yeah, so as I'm smudging, I might talk about, you know, what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling. Uh, intuitively, w- words come to me, you know, dialogue comes to me. So I allow my inspirers, my healing guides to work through me and, uh, yeah, create a, a safe enough space for the soul of the person I'm working with to free themselves of that clutter, if you like.
2: mm
0: So when I hear all this, so this is what I, I feel like everything is the same. Okay. So it's all on an energy level. Okay. So when you say aura, what I would say is energy field and it's exactly the same thing. So in my Qigong training, the body has energy inside it, obviously, otherwise we'd be, you know, dead. Um, so we have energy and if you've ever seen like a um, if you've played with magnets, you know, and you've seen the island filings and you see the magnetic field, um, or the electromagnetic field or you've seen pictures of it. It's kind of like that, that the energy is not just inside, doesn't stop at your skin, like it comes out of the body because, you know, that's what energy does. And it moves and it changes form all the time. So um, for me, I call it an energy field. And what you're saying about that, if you know, there's a traumatic event or experience or whatever it is happens, you know, like you said, at age nine, and then they say, "Oh, I'm over it" because I had therapy. The thing is that, in the qigong perspective, everything that ever happens to you, every conversation, every experience, everything, stays in your energy field, which actually extends quite some way from your body. And there's different, like you said, there's different layers of the auras. So same theory, that there's different energy layers and there's, there's sort of three main ones and there's lots of other ones um, so and I know people uh, or I've heard of people who do a similar kind of thing that they heal, can heal these rifts or cracks or scars not through describing it as an aura and how you do it as intuiting what's happening and getting guidance from your inspirers as you mentioned but um, literally being able to see that energy and there's a guy in Melbourne think i can't think of his name and he can literally like just see the energy fields and he can see where it is and so if if you had like a um a swollen arm because you've whacked it or say you know you've got a sore knee from too much tramping around uluru he could actually see the the uh, stagnant energy causing that pain in your energy field and um he could literally put his hand above your knee and just take it out. Yes. Right? Yeah. So that's – and so there's so many – and you referred to this before that there's different takes on religion, say, around the world, different – but they all have the same guiding sort of principle that there's a conscious yes. – with a, with a you know, universal consciousness, right? Whether it's a god figure or goddesses' figures or whether it's um, spirit or whether it's energy or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it basically is energy in different forms. So that's what I found fascinating – that, you know, you've got all this yoga philosophy, you've got Qigong philosophy, you've got mediumship, you've got all the different, you've got know, Reiki, you've got all the things all basically doing the same thing but just in a different way according to the person who does it, I guess. Can I ask you about in your inspirers?
1: What does that actually mean? So just to clarify first off, the, the, when I call myself a clairvoyant medium, um, the clairvoyant part of it you know as other people might say you know i'm psychic i don't actually use the word psychic because it conjures up that thought of i'm a fortune teller um, which i'm not i'm a healer who works intuitively so my background in counseling and whatnot you know gives rise to how i approach anything so just as i would source um Uh, or have resources that i draw upon as a counselor different techniques different theory bases and whatnot um the same goes for when you work as a um as a medium meaning that i have a connection to the spirit world it's not a case of oh yeah you know mum or dad or grandma dropped by just to say hi from the spirit world Mm -hmm. they uh Collectively and individually, you've got this source of ancient wisdom. You know, whether it's, it's life experiences that, um, you know, a grandmother gained over a hundred years that she just wants to impart some old tricks of the trade or some old traditional remedies or something like that. But you also have centuries of, of others who have experienced life on all different well, I'll say all different planes, but in all uh, different, um, you know, areas of the world and different roles. So when I talk about inspirers, anybody can come through. I can connect energetically um, as a medium with anyone who wishes to impart knowledge, or experiences to me mm. so most people would think oh well a medium just connects you to loved ones who you recognize um you know which is what I thought way back when as well uh but then I had and I'm I was predominantly clairaudient meaning that I could hear spirit um I have since developed that clairvoyance meaning I can I can see them, clairsentience, many I can feel them, you know, all the, there's different clairs, different uh, ways in which we gain information. But those in, (laughs) I started hearing spirit talk to me about things that had nothing to do with my relatives or really nothing to do with my life then and there. But the availability of that got me expanding my awareness. So... There are, imagine having a, a well-known doctor or a well-known scientist or a well-known, you know, practitioner of all sorts of things who has since passed on. Just because they're past doesn't mean that their experience is not valid. So there's a lot of healers who work with those in the spirit world. Um, and we open ourselves, we get out of our own way so that they can work through us, if you like. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, there's so much in that. I, just, I laughed <laughs> when you said get out of your own way because yeah. this is what my Qigong teacher says to me all the time. She says, Cap, stick to the method and get out of the way. Your your mind, your thinking is your worst enemy. Yes. And it always just blocks everything else. So you need to listen to, basically to your body is what she's sort of saying and just stick to the method. Um, so, okay, can I ask that... You use the term passed on instead of died. Is that to kind of imply that they've passed to a different place and they're still here versus died means kind of gone? Is that intentional or is it just
1: you like that word? Um, uh, When I used to do mediumship demonstrations, you know, people joke, mediums joke, oh, I talk to dead people. (laughs) There's medium Um, jokes, all of it. (laughs) Um, Well, these dead people are saying, oi, I'm still here. You know, I haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, I'm not in the same form, but I'm uh, not dead as we know So it.
0: the body's dead, but not the person. Yes. Yeah.
1: So I truly acknowledge, you know, the mourning that we go through, the, the grief is real. It's a human emotion that's valid. It's necessary. But once we move forward through that space um, and we acknowledge that, you know, our loved ones still want to tap us on the shoulder and remind us and get in our face or, you know, kick us up the rear the same way as they ever did. Um, God, and they God. enjoy doing that. You know, some of the mediumship readings I've done are hilarious because the personality comes through oh. thick as, you know. Oh, can I can just imagine
0: my nana, like, getting up the old wooden spoon or th- actually she was quite fond of the thong.
1: Yeah, they show me that sort of stuff. They'll show me some pulling them somebody by their ear and...
0: God, yeah, That's amazing. I have to book a um, a medium. <laughs> um, and that was the other question I was going to ask. You said whether people come to you for a clairvoyant reading or a medium reading. So what is kind of the difference between those things?
1: So some people will, will ask for a, basically a psychic reading, um, meaning they want to know about their life now. You know, will they sell their house? You know, what's going on in their relationship? Will I get this new job? you know, those sort of day-to-day experiences um, and that's from a psychic perspective, intuitive, clairvoyant. you know, you can, different names for the same thing. But basically it's a soul-to-soul connection. I'm connecting with you as the human in front of me about your life. Past, present and future, but I can't go to the future until you recognise that um or validate what i've told you about your past or your present because then you'll be open to saying where is the the opportunities i'm not here to say this exactly is going to happen because that's taking power away from somebody um and I'm very adamant, you know, people often come to me and say, well, give me the answers. It's like, well, you've got the answers. I'm just helping you uncover them. Mm. So potential energy, potential outcomes, um, where to look uh, at or from what perspective to look at certain things in your life. So that's more or less a psychic reading. Um, and going back to that, you know, the scars and, and whatnot from the past, If somebody comes and asks me about a relationship, for instance, I might say, okay, well, I'm picking up something that happened when you were 17 about a relationship then. Now, I don't need to see or know or tell them the specifics of that, but I might go into the what resources did you draw upon from yourself, what aspects of development have you acknowledged from that point because whatever that is, that relates currently to this relationship. Mm -hmm. If I work that way, they get that. Mediumship is directly connecting to spirit. So somebody comes and says, I really want to know that, you know, mum, dad, my best friend, my child is okay in the spirit world. Um, You know, there's no guarantees that I can just dial up a number and say, okay, (laughs) yep, Fred's here like you've asked. But, you know, Mary might come in and say, yep. I checked in, Fred's arrived okay, you know, (laughs) welcomed welcomed him across. You know, one of the funny things about mediumship readings too is that I will see who welcomed them home. And we call it welcome them home because they've gone back to, energetically, back to soul group, back to spirit, back to family. And so, yeah, you know, if if a child goes over, I might have a grandparent who's already in the spirit world, welcome them home. Um, I often see grandfathers in spirit holding babies who he may have passed. Or, mm. you know, if, if Dad's already over there and Mum's come over, then, you know, he's meeting her at the gate, so to speak, with a bunch of flowers. Or I've had others meet somebody with a, a beer in their hand. Mm. So just to reassure those who have come for a reading that their loved ones are not alone. Mm. They are welcomed, that... There's no, um, there's no debts to be cleared, you know. Once, once we pass, we go back to that state of, of love. Uh, so there's, there's no fear there.
0: Yeah, I, that's what I read a lot. That this unconditional love, yeah, uh, is what basically awaits us when we do. Well, I'd say pass as well now, because now I feel like a bit of a scientist saying die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, more about plain English. <laughs> but pass then. Um, so. Some people
1: call, call it transitioning. Transitioning. Oh that no, that's, sounds a that's bit, not know. plain English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's jargon.
0: So um, um, that, I just got really quite, you know, a little bit emotional when you were saying that because I, um, as you know, I'm, as you know, not as the ACFM knows, <laughs> I'm actually going to be taking a break. Now that I've introduced my brand new show, I'm going to be not here for six weeks um, because I'm going overseas and I'm going to Croatia, which is the land of, where my father comes from. And so he died, or he passed over. He passed. His body died. I don't know what to call it. (laughs) I was with him at the time. It was really amazing. Very privileged to be with him when he did pass. Um, And I was the only one there. And so I felt like, uh, I've often felt like, he was a big gardener. I mean, he was Croatian. That goes without saying. They have vegetable gardens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm allowed to say that because I'm half Croatian. And so... You know, I have his old tools. I have his old pitchfork and shovels and hose and all the stuff. I have, And they're all like wooden, big solid wooden handles and they're like rusty at the end and everything, but I still use them. And I got upset a couple of years ago because I actually broke the pitchfork because I was trying too hard to get these big, horrible weeds out and actually bent the fork backwards and it's, and the metal cracked like a metal split on the handle and i was like oh my god dad i'm so sorry i broke your pitchfork i knew i should have stopped <laughs> and i've never really felt anything back but i just and that's the only time i ever feel like i'd say stuff to him is when i'm gardening and using his tools because it reminds me of him all the yeah. time so i went not sure i would love to you know to feel or hear something back from him um but so uh As um, full disclosure, you know, I had a session with Anne a couple of weeks ago and she did say to me that Dad would be going with me to Croatia, which um, I think is wonderful, as well as another relative. And um, so I'm like, cool, I'm going to have these two Croatian dudes going with me. (laughs) I'm going to book an extra seat on the plane. Um, And, you know, that makes me feel really nice, but I, as yet... Don't feel like I have ever actually. So you. So someone comes to you and says, you know, can I? Um, I want to see if my auntie's okay or whatever. And so you can connect to the auntie's spirit and then pass on what messages. But why can't we all? Is it just because we haven't learnt how? Does everyone have the ability to talk to their own? you know, passed on relatives or is it just because you are, you have developed this ability yourself? Do we, can we go to like sign up for, you know, medium one Oh one or something and learn how to actually do this ourselves? Or is it something
1: that just comes to you or what? Do you know, I love that segue. I'm running a trust your intuition group. <laughs> oh my God, sign me up. <laughs> starting next Tuesday. Oh no, well, can't so to, I can't do Tuesday nights. have to have a private listen. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, along with, you know, thousands of other um, intuitive workers, uh, We often run development classes. Now, just like we can all sing, everybody can sing, some of us hold a tune better than others. I shouldn't say some of us because I'm not necessarily one of them, but
2: it is about
1: developing, like developing a muscle, developing an awareness so every now and again if if I went to a, de- a a group demonstration of mediumship I might say raise your hands if you've ever spelt, uh, felt a loved one around now some people will smell a particular smell like aftershave or, or or tobacco or perfume or something like that um others might feel like as if somebody's stroking their hair or just get you know the hairs on the back of your neck come up or they get in the, the the car and turn the radio on and it's always a particular song that mm. brings back direct memories. Yeah. So you working in the garden is uh, that familiar environment. Now imagine that as an open opportunity. So if ever there was going to be a, a time in your day where the channels were open and you were more receptive to hearing, feeling, sensing your father around, that would be it, Mm. okay, because Mm. there is this common thread. In our busy day, our head is cluttered, our environment, our energy field is cluttered Mm. by external noise. So spirit will, and, you know, lots of my medium friends will say this too, we need to allocate, you know, even as 10 minutes a day, and it doesn't have to be meditation, although a lot of people use meditation as a tool to tune in or to quieten their minds enough to create a space for spirit to get, you know, get our attention. Others talk about it sitting in the power, raising the vibration. Um, and just like if you, you know, if you're fearful, if you can, cons- if you're emotional, if you're, Stressed, um, you close in, you shrink in because you're protective of yourself. Uh, there's not a lot of room to move, you know. Spirit's trying to get your attention and you're all huddled up. So, expanding and relaxing and creating a quiet time so they can tune the radio dial to the exact frequency to get your attention helps.
0: Mm. Can I ask on there? So, one thing, a book I've recently been reading. A book I've been recently reading has um, been talking about how the spirit – oh, that's another question. I'll come back to that. That often electronics is the way that the spirit world does communicate with us. And people have things like lights flashing on and off and they think it's a poltergeist or whatever, you know, or or the radio will crackle or a song will come on and and whatever. So because the radio frequency or the electronic sort of – whatever it is, frequencies, you know, or on another, that's basically just another level of energy, of of vibration of waves, electromagnetic waves, just like how the light from the sun, you know, um, contains all the colours and so they mix together to form white light. But the reason, say, that the trees are green is because they absorb all the other wavelengths of light and they reflect the green ones and that's why we see them as green. So that's the waves of electromagnetic magnetic energy so radios tvs phones all the things internet it's all just more frequency of energy so then you've got the spirit world or you know whatever that level is that people want to call it and that's vibrating at a certain frequency as well and perhaps i don't really know the answer but perhaps you know those frequencies interact or they're similar enough the electronic one and the spirit one and that's how they can actually interact and send messages so that's one thing the other thing is why do you say spirit instead of spirits (laughs) Like spirit, I'm hearing spirit with a capital S, like spirit is with us. Like wouldn't it be spirits generally or is spirit another word for universal consciousness or what?
1: Yes, that's how I would, yeah. And I will also say I ask the universe. Mm. So universe is my collective word. Yes. And spirit being the plural of anyone from the spirit world getting my attention. Yeah. Yeah. I can put an S or not put an S. It doesn't, you know. I just it's... I
0: generally don't hear people saying spirits. So I hear them say spirit as if it's a overall thing. Yes, yeah. Which to spirit me sounds as... kind of odd. I must admit. I I I I respond better to thinking of it as the universe, you know, or universal consciousness than than spirit. But that's only because of my conditioning of growing up in a very non spiritual world. Like I said, we didn't. We weren't religious. Um, despite having a Croatian father who's actually Roman Catholic, like we never went to church. Mm-hmm. My mum was Church of England and she didn't go to church, so we didn't. And so I had no, you know, thing. Um, but or spirituality, and I didn't even know what spirituality is. In fact, I still struggle with the term spirituality. And, but I'm coming to it that I think it just means tuned into the, to, to being open, you know, yeah. to all frequencies. But, you know, what do you classify as spirituality? I...
1: I mean, people assume that because I'm an intuitive reader or a medium or whatever that I am spiritual. You know, or, and there is a, a belief system, just like a church. Spiritualism is a religion. Um, and, yes, I have a lot of friends who are mediums who are, come under the banner of or their, their um, frame of reference is under spiritualism which is just a bit of a breakaway of of other factors but so I'd, I wouldn't call myself a spiritualist or uh, and it's just a sort of throwaway word at times saying that you're spiritual i am spiritual by nature for the mere fact that i am you know i i seek oneness with all there is i guess mm. that's my Take on that, right? Um, and and back to you know, I might talk about spirit or, or spiritualism or or spirits in general, but there are other people who connect with what they may classify as higher beings or um, archangels or you know. So everybody's got different terms of reference for things. Mm. Um, I try and cut through all that. I can find common language with anyone I work with mm. without having a judgment about that um, and that's coming from that space of be be the observer in life rather than someone who fixates on on some term or gets swamped in an emotional justification mm. of taking a stance on mm. something. Um, it allows that, that slight separation so that we can truly experience on all levels what's going on. Yeah
0: and, um and Ronica who's from Rainbow Light Reflections talking with us on Yes FM this morning on um my show from the esoteric to the every day so you're with Kath Kovac uh we're just about out of time can you believe it it's like five to eleven um I'm kind of thinking you know and that we should just like have a radio show you and me because and yes. <laughs> we could it. talk about this forever <laughs> I might have to have a second hour where I have my one guest and then you come in for the second half no worries. <laughs> so oh there's so many questions I want to ask when I just don't have time but um what I wrote down here just now was um Uh, about the observer, and that's a very big thing in also, you know, schools of meditation that, for instance, we just observe the breath and we don't judge the breath or necessarily change the breath. We just observe the breath. And in the same way, we observe our thoughts. So instead of getting caught up in our thoughts and thinking, I shouldn't have done that, why did he say that? Oh, my God, he's such an ass, blah, blah, blah. Instead, we just observe that thought and go, oh, there's that thought about that guy at work who, you know, is a real jerk or whatever, Um, and not uh, get caught up into it and not emotionally relate to it. So, I mean, I can't, I just can't start going there because it's just too much <laughs> to talk about that. Yep, Another time, the other thing I, was, I wanted to just quickly, um, when you said spiritualism is like a religion. So is there like s- churches equivalent uh,
1: or yes. groups to um, join It's a UK what? based like tradition. Um, yeah, uh, that's where I train through UK, uh, mentors ah. who come under that banner of the spiritualist church. Um, okay. And there's, you know, so there's yeah. a
0: spiritualist church.
1: Yeah. I wonder why they call it a church. Uh, well, in Australia, the ones in Canberra have changed there's it to a Canberra. collective to oh. uh, to move away from that word church so there's not that connotation of indoctrination or anything like that yeah yeah Um,
0: Um, oh god okay we need to like have (laughs) more conversations so um, on yes FM you have been listening with Ann Veronica from Rainbow Light Reflections and Ann did mention before that she's developing a it's a trusting your intuition development group right a Um, development group meeting on Tuesday nights
1: Tuesday evenings for the next six weeks there's mediumship development groups Rainbow Light Reflections contact me on Facebook Instagram uh, I'm all over. You know, <laughs> You're all over the place. Social media, so look <laughs> out for the starburst rainbow. Yeah, um, yeah, you'll find me. Well, thank you so much for
0: um, listening. Well, it's three to eleven here on SFM. Um, we're just going to finish with a little bit of music of a song that I really like. Um, do you know Things of Stone and Wood? Yeah, have you heard of them? They're from the nineties. Like you know, no, I haven't. They're an Australian band, and they have a lovely song called "Happy Birthday Helen," which is for a birthday song for Helen who's passed shall we say. So perhaps appropriate if I find the right song here. Uh, Number three. So yeah, this is Things in Stone of Wood with Happy Birthday, Helen. And you've been listening to Kath on From the Esoteric to the Everyday with Anne Veronica on YesFM. Have a wonderful day.
2: Let's not forget last night Yeah, how we drove along the Yarra How we sang harmonies to Carol King These three years now just gone They are the legends of my mind We both kneel at these rocks To drink out the memories are the tunes in my head, the fire in my ribs, you are the voice in my heart, that whispers compassion, happy birthday Helen. Happy birthday, Helen.